0: Let us pray. Gracious God, you have taught a kind of love that is not only hard, it is impossible. And so we ask you to break our hearts open and to free our minds so that we can love as you love. Amen. Please be seated. So this, we are at the tail end of Epiphany season, and you may say, okay, that's a church thing. Actually, it's bigger than a church thing, because Epiphany means showing forth who Christ is. Who is this Jesus? Why did Jesus come? That's what Epiphany grapples with. And the answer to that, in case you didn't know, I'll give you the answer to the test. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who he is. That's his identity But I think more importantly, Jesus showed us how to live and how to love. And that's practical. It's deeply practical because you know in every area of your life, whether it's in your family, in your relationships, at school, on the basketball court, it affects everything. How do I love my neighbor? And that's what Jesus came to do. But as I said in my prayer at the beginning, the lesson we heard today The kind of love that God, that Jesus talks about is impossible. And I want to say that. I don't want to say it's just hard or if we try really hard. It is impossible for human beings. And the only way to get where Jesus wants us to be is to so give ourselves over to the love and power of God that God loves in us and through us, that in a sense we decrease so that God might increase. That's the only way to do this kind of love that Jesus talks about. So let's dive into this this text for today. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray to those who abuse you. Now, this lesson kind of comes out of nowhere. Wherever you are on the live stream, sitting here, you're minding your own business, you come to the contemporary service, boom, this lesson hits you. What's happening? Where did this come from? What's the context? Well, if you were here last week, you would have heard part one of the Sermon on the Plain. Remember Matthew's Sermon on the Mount? Luke, Sermon on the Plain? Both radical, but in different places. So in the Sermon on the Plain last week, Jesus began, he opened his mouth, and I would suggest to you that this sermon he gives to the people is like his inaugural address. He is setting the course for what his ministry is gonna be all about. And he does not start gentle. He does not start easy. It's like that, boom, he gets their attention. And so last week, who were the blessed ones? The ones who were poor, the ones who were hungry, the ones who were grieving, the ones who were rejected. Flies in the face of everything we know about the world. Because we would say, if you look around you in your workplace, in your families, it seems like the blessed are the rich. It seems like the blessed are the full. It seems like the blessed are the happy. And it seems like the blessed are the ones who are well regarded in their social circles. So if that seems to be true in our life, then what is Jesus talking about? What's this inversion? And by the way, Jesus does this all the time in his teaching. He inverts things. He turns the tables of our hearts so that we get woken up and pay attention. So this passage today is simply a continuation of the passage last week. He's talked about the blessing. He's talked about the woes, and then he doesn't stop. Bless, he goes on to uh, talk about loving our enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. That goes way beyond what the Jewish tradition requires. You need to know that. His listeners, they would have known about love. They would have known about God. God is love. But the way Jesus is defining love, that's not consistent with Hebrew scripture In Hebrew scripture, it says, you know, don't take revenge to such a degree that you destroy them. Have some mercy in your vengeance. It's all that kind of message. Jesus is now going way over even what his tradition has been teaching. So one of the things when I'm preaching, I have to ask myself, what's the barrier? What's the block? How how does this not make sense? And I started thinking about our world. And you can think about your own context. You can think about this teaching that Jesus gives us, and if we're good people, we say, great, we're going to try to do that, but I want to go deeper. I want to go into the resistance to what Jesus is asking us to do. And I started looking around the world, and I asked myself, should the Ukrainians love the Russians who are surrounding them with tanks and missiles? Should the child who is being bullied at school Let the bully take his lunch and his money. Should we stop and give money to every homeless person who approaches us at every stoplight in Dallas? Should the woman who is being mistreated in her marriage suffer silently and remain married no matter what? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about real stuff, real ethical issues that we grapple with and deal with every day. And I would suggest to you in some of those cases, it's hard to love the army that is potentially going to invade you. It is hard to love the bully who is abusing you. It is hard to stop and give money to every homeless person knowing that that's not always the best way to help. And it's wrong for a woman or a man to stay in a relationship where they're being abused. That's the truth of life. And we need to speak that. We need to speak our real life honestly to try to get even further into what Jesus is saying. I think the danger of a lesson like this, if it's applied literally in every situation, it can do more harm than good. We can shame people for making good, healthy, responsible decisions. And that's not what we're trying to do. So... What, what we begin to have here is there's a way to be in the world to survive. There's a way that we teach our children about how to have healthy relationships, how to foster respect, how to be strong and resist aggression, right? We teach our kids that. You should keep doing that. That's really important for living well in the world. But then it's like Jesus is saying, and, and, once you've done that, once you've figured that out, once you've learned how to survive in the world, then I need you to unlearn it all. I need you to be so supple and so trusting and so grounded in me that should there come a situation where you need to depart from those good things you learned, those good, healthy boundaries, whatever it is that life has taught us to survive, listen and watch for the times when God says, I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing in this life. I want to do a new thing in your life. And that's where we, in a sense, get stretched. Our love begins to get stretched. So keep doing the good things that you know about being healthy in the world, but hold it lightly, because at any moment, God could open you up to something new. So what is the good news in this lesson? How do we understand it? What's the context? And I want to go a little more into that. I think sometimes as um, first world Christians in 2022... We kind of see the Bible as written to us. It's our own little personal devotional. Um, We can open it up and anything applies to us. We just kind of stick it on and it works. It's actually not a great way to read the Bible. It is really important to ask ourselves, who is Jesus talking to? Who's Jesus talking to? Think about it. Who's following Jesus? Is it the religious elite? Nope. Is it the wealthy landowners? Nope. Nope. Is it the Roman centurions or the Roman Empire? No. None of those are the ones following Jesus. So then you begin to say, well, who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to the political agitators. Jesus is talking to the disrespected and the dispossessed. Jesus is talking to the religious outsiders. Jesus is talking to those who have nothing. That's Jesus's congregation, and if we just try to take a lesson and apply it to ourselves right here in Dallas in our situation without taking a moment to understand who Jesus is talking to, we will misapply scripture, and so always ask yourself, who is Jesus talking to? What's his audience? I suggest to you that the people he's speaking to are at risk of giving up, of losing everything, of being radicalized to the point where they do foolish military endeavors and get crushed by the Romans, right? These are folks who are at the very edge. They've lost everything and frankly have nothing left to lose. And when you have a group like that, it's dangerous. It's a tinderbox. And so I suggest to you that what Jesus is trying to do is to link their lives with the life of God, to connect the mercy and the compassion that they can know as people with the mercy and compassion of God. So in a sense, it provides hope in a hopeless situation. It provides courage for when it seems like the walls are closing in. I really believe that Jesus is strengthening and empowering these people who otherwise could either cease to exist or do harm to others. That's, that's the people that Jesus is talking to. That's why he says, be merciful just as your father Is merciful so if you want to use this passage in your life if you want to apply it to a personal situation you can it's good to say who is my enemy what wider response might I find to this person might I pray and I know some of you have done this because you've talked to me about it might I pray for the one whom I hate so that I can be changed, my heart can be changed, so that is all good. That is still valid. But I had another thought today as I was working through this passage. I thought, okay, if Jesus is, is talking to those who are most broken, and in a sense, has, have gotten the shaft, who've kind of gotten the worst deal that the world can offer, then I begin to say to myself, because it's easy, do you do this when you read the Bible? You know, love your enemies. Well, immediately we're the victim, right? Well, how have I been hurt? Who's been bad to me? How can I love them? Guess what? If we're honest, in this room, in this time, in Dallas, I want you to try something that's pretty humbling. You're the enemy. Just for a second, imagine that there is a way in which you are the one who needs to be forgiven by those most hurt and and harmed in the world. It's not that you are fundamentally a bad person. It's because all of us are made in the image of God. All of us have the capacity to reflect God's love. But what would it mean if for a moment we said, how have I been an enemy? How have I hurt others? How by my decisions, my greed, my disregard of the earth, my hatred towards racial groups, towards people of different sexual orientations, how have I become the enemy to those who are this close to giving up. That's the exercise I'm asking you to imagine, that you are not only the victim, you are not only the one who needs to forgive others, but in ways known and unknown, there are ways that you need to ask for forgiveness, that you need to be open to the story of others, to be changed, to create the kingdom that God intends. That's... That's what we're talking about today. That's when it starts to get real. And it's not just us. It's any group can do this exercise. We're so quick to go to the ways that we've been harmed. But turn the crystal. Look at it in a new way. And I would say that to so many people around the world. Let your posture be, um, yes, I love my enemies, but I also seek to stop being an enemy. Yes, I love my abuser, but I stop abusing. That's A spiritually supple life and that's what I'm inviting you into as I said at the beginning we're at the end of epiphany we know who Jesus is and we know the life that he shows us how to live a life of love what's coming in two weeks or so is Lent Ash Wednesday when we take those ashes as a sign of our mortality we recognize the ways that we've harmed others without even meaning to and we confess we repent We go in a new direction. We seek to learn to be new people. Epiphany and Lent, they go together. Amen.